Have you heard anything about Ukraine before February 2022? Do you know anything about this beautiful country apart from the fact that there is a war going on there? If you don't, I envy you a little bit because there's so much interesting for you to find out. If after reading the news you ever wondered where Ukraine actually is, don't worry, I got you covered. Spoiler, it's pretty much in Eastern Europe. My name is Michelle Bonder, I'm an aspiring journalist, and in this podcast I'll be fangirling about something I'm very passionate about, my dear motherland Ukraine. I invite you on this journey through Ukrainian culture and history, because I think the world should know about us. You should understand what we are fighting for right now, why we don't give up and never will. The key reason is our unique mentality, which not so many foreigners are aware of. Freedom is in our DNA, as President Zelensky said at the 30th celebration of independence last year. However, Ukraine is not a young country. It's been more than a thousand years since the first Ukrainian state emerged, known as Kiev and Rus. The last word, Rus, might remind you of a notorious country called, uh, let me think, Russia which is probably launching another missile at Ukraine while you are listening to this podcast, but don't let yourself be fooled by centuries of Russian propaganda. Their deeply rooted historical lies are worth an episode of debunking, but in a nutshell, Russia has always been a big imposter, stealing even the name of their state. Sadly, you probably know much more about Russia than Ukraine. According to a morning consult poll dated 7th February 2022, it's merely weeks before the invasion, only 34% of Americans were able to show Ukraine on the map correctly. 72%, which is almost twice as much, could do it with Russia, obviously not only because of its enormous colonial size, but also due to its all-pervading informational policy. Russia is well known as a great metropolis, Ukraine is obscure and lesser, and Ukrainians are funny little indigenous people who are constantly being mercifully rescued by the metropolis. This is the narrative Russian propaganda has been trying to push for decades, which reeks of colonialism. Unfortunately, it took roots in civilized countries, which is why some politicians are still suggesting Ukraine give up. In the world where Russia, the great blackmailing, aggressive disinformation machine exists, we must fight worthily on the information front too. It's super important that the world learns the truth about Ukraine from Ukrainians. And this is why I'm here. You know, I haven't been a conscious citizen of my country my whole life. I didn't always identify as Ukrainian, neither I was proud of being one. Before the full-scale invasion, I used to speak Russian. I found Ukrainian literature, can you imagine, second-rate compared to Russian. I thought that life was much better anywhere but my native country. We call it here complex manshavartosti, inferiority complex, which can be described as national low self-esteem. Obviously, a person who doesn't know their value is easier to manipulate. And abusers always cultivate and develop low self-esteem in their victims, because it tends to be very useful for them. 
Can you guess which country has been such an abuser for Ukraine for centuries? Surprise, surprise, unexpectedly, it's Russia. Unfortunately, even after USSR collapse, Ukraine was under Russian influence economically, politically, and of course ideologically. You know, it was very profitable and strategically important for those dreaming of the Russian world to never let Ukraine go, to control it, and forbid it to integrate with Europe where it belongs. Sick abusive behavior, isn't it? But in this case, it seems even sicker when you realize that there were not one, not two, not a hundred, but forty-something million Ukrainians who became victims of ideological abuse. So, my inferiority complex is not something conscious and free will. It's one of many consequences of Russian informational policy and propaganda. This is why so many people around the world believe that Russia is a great big brother to Ukraine. Yes, they literally used such wording, it can't be more Orwellian than it already is. After Russian invasion, I became a real Ukrainian nationalist. Please, don't perceive this word as some marker of aggression or narrow-mindedness. According to Michael McKay on Twitter, a Ukrainian nationalist is not a Nazi. It's a person who simply believes Ukraine should exist. It's vital that you understand that Russia doesn't simply want to gain some Ukrainian territories. They want them all. They want to renew the empire and destroy Ukraine, not only physically, but also mentally. Russia wants to erase Ukrainian culture and history forever, so that it can steal what hasn't already been stolen. Examples? There are plenty, modern and ancient. The first thing that comes to my mind would be what happened in Mariupol, a temporarily occupied city in the east of Ukraine. Apart from all the horrible war crimes, Russian army almost immediately after occupation changed the sign. It had read Mariupol in Ukrainian, and they changed it to Russian spelling. It's obvious that their state at the moment is, uh, figuratively speaking, drowning, economically and politically, thanks to all your government sanctions. But, going straight to the bottom, Russia desperately wants to grab Ukraine with it. We Ukrainian patrons don't want to drown in the swamp, we want our country to exist peacefully. This is what we are fighting for. The war brought its miseries, but also an epiphany to me. I've never been more proud to be Ukrainian. I was reborn in a cultural sense because I learned so much about my country to be proud of. I don't speak Russian anymore. Before the war I was convinced that I was bilingual, but somehow Russian was more native to me than Ukrainian. Weird, isn't it? Well, now I also consider myself bilingual, with Ukrainian as a native language and English as almost native. I hope the accent doesn't spoil the impression. Anyway, I've come to the point of rejecting Russian culture and embracing the Ukrainian one. While the latter is very logical to everyone, after all this is how this podcast happened. The first might seem somewhat controversial. I'll quote another tweet here. Jessica Berlin says that some people are worried about calls to avoid Russian music, theater, etc. in public cultural spaces. They needn't be. During World War II, London concert programs weren't exactly bursting with Bach, and it was probably bad timing for Faust on Broadway. 
Over time, German arts and artists were welcomed back into elite cultural spaces because Germany atoned. Russian arts will likewise return if or when Russia rejoins civilization. In the meantime, discover and elevate Ukrainian contemporary and classical artists. It matters who we celebrate and when. End of quote. As for the last point, I'd like to emphasize, Ukrainian culture is not worse because you haven't heard much about it. It's always been obscured by Russian false imperial greatness. I want to quote a dialogue by my favorite Ukrainian writer Lina Kostenko here. There's always a nation's face. Not yours, not mine, not somebody's individual one, but the portrait of the nation on the whole, exactly how it is perceived by the world and by the nation itself. People without honor, without respect, according to the poets. There must be the reason why the portrait is like this. The paintbrush was held by the empire. But who are you going to explain this to? In the world's gallery, Ukrainians look exactly like this. This book was written in 2011, and a lot has changed since then. We've been explaining We've been recreating the portrait ourselves, and we keep doing it. I keep doing it right now, and we'll go on so that this portrait, this image, gets as beautiful and truthful as possible. Back to my cultural epiphany and shift in priorities. I believe that such change is possible for anyone. You can sympathize with Ukraine even if you used to be indifferent about it. If you choose to educate yourself, you can show solidarity with Ukrainians fighting for our freedom and spread positive narratives in contrast to Russian propaganda. So, if you listened this far, you've already contributed to this informational battle. Since it's too early to finish this episode so far, I'd like to put another quote here. As you might have noticed, quoting smart things other people said is my favorite thing to do. So, anyway... <laughs> One can't read Ukrainian history without bromine as a sedative. This is what Volodymyr Venichenko, the head of the Ukrainian early 20th century government, said back then. Well, he survived the world war, only one though, a large revolution, and made such conclusions. Since then, our history has been replenished with numerous nice and unpleasant events. I was born during one revolution and was eight when another happened. I was nine when Russia first attacked in 2014. Now I'm living through a full-scale Russian invasion, a major historical event again, and I'm rather optimistic about the outcome. Moreover, I love history and fully understand its importance. And I'm sure anyone can read it or listen to it without bromine. Just chamomile tea will do. So stay tuned if you want to widen your outlook and support Ukraine. I can't wait to share with you guys all the interesting things and fun facts I found on this podcast so that you understand the vibe of Ukraine and fall in love with it. A little disclaimer, though it was supposed to be put in the beginning, but anyway. As you might have noticed, this podcast is rightfully and justified Russophobic, so if you're a Russia apologist, which equals genocide apologist, by the way, and you're not willing to change your mind, please be so kind to get the hell out of here. Thank you very much. See everybody else in the next episode where I'll talk about some toponymic nuances. 
For example, how it's right to spell the name of the Ukrainian capital and why it's super rude to say the Ukraine. There will be some more cool stories and jokes and, of course, the truth with a little sorrow, like it's always with Ukraine. So prepare your chamomile tea and listen. Thank you for being here. I love you guys. Glory to Ukraine. Thank you.